the most important thing is are you helping with some kind of motive or outcome in your mind or are you helping without any motive i caused a loss of over 10 million dollars for the company and i thought this is it it's finished right i'm gone i truly believe that big success comes through big failure and if you're not failing enough you're not you're being too safe and you're not going to be successful you're not trying hard enough yeah who you work for makes a bigger difference than where you work what you work on and what you're doing if the person speaks too good english in a country where english is not the language they are probably not the best people in the country so you're hiring wrong the two most important things in life which determine almost 99% of what will happen to you is who is your partner and which city do you choose to live in instead of telling people to you know fool hardly chase your dreams do what you love but i think no one or very few people tell you that backstop yourself how do you protect yourself from failure so arjun welcome to the barber shop uh, it's an absolute pleasure and privilege to host you thank you so much for coming and you know you are a mentor to me um uh, in addition to being my board member and someone who helps drive the business of the larger team but uh, you are a you are someone who has genuinely been one of the most helpful people to me so to all our uh, viewers and listeners introducing arjun purkayas to you and i let him do the honors but uh, um he and i got to know each other almost 3 years back and he's an investor a board member um and someone who runs a lot of things at reket who is an institutional investor at at bombay shaving company and bombay the purpose arjun of barber shop at its very core was <clears throat> to make entrepreneurship real and humanize it for the masses right entrepreneurship like we were talking today about access and close group it it remained a privilege of a few people of course mm. because of the risk profile of the job and so on right but because it become mainstream a lot of funding has happened india is going to create over the next 20 years more enterprises than they have created in, the, in their history right and we want our listeners and viewers who are interested in startups to either think about starting their own company or be a part of the ecosystem either through investing or joining as an employee and so on right so that's what we want to do there is a huge employment deficit gap in india we want to create a million jobs a month that's what we need to do to hit our goals we are at 1/4 of that today so that deficit is going to keep growing until the enterprises catch up right. and that won't happen till more people become entrepreneurs so that's the thesis of course the conversations as you know go yeah. all over the place but would love for you to kind of tell the viewers who you are what your journey has been and then we can get into the conversation yeah i i think first of all shantanu thanks a lot for having me here i think when i saw the first few episodes I would have never imagined that I would be sitting in the same <laughs> sofa uh, as uh, some of your very illustrious guests. So I think the pleasure is all mine. Uh, and if it doesn't work, feel free to edit out and de- delete <laughs> no, the whole episode if you want. Uh, uh, I mean, just just a quick introduction. I'll I'll make it very brief. I think you've given most of it anyway. Uh, yeah, of course, I I help uh, Bombay Shaving Company as uh, uh, my company is invested in it and. I'm a board member and I've been working with you. I think even from before uh, before we invested because you know from the time we met till the time we invested that itself was a long journey. Long process, yeah. It was a long process and a long journey. Uh but a pleasurable one because I think we got to know each other and learn a lot about each other also COVID through that one. journey. Yeah. Also COVID yeah. wave one so it was like difficult times in the world in exactly. general. Exactly. Exactly. Uh so I I I I work at Racket that's my day job uh in uh, in London but I travel a lot. Oh 
pre-COVID and now sort of what you call post-COVID. Uh, I, I travel a lot because I work on uh, global businesses. So I work on our global e-commerce, uh, digital and venture capital business. And then recently I've also taken on our greater China business. Uh, but unfortunately, given the situation there right now, yeah. uh, it's next to impossible to get there. Uh, but there's a great team on the ground working uh, on on uh, our business there. So so that's that's the background. I'm uh, you know fully aligned to the mission and purpose that you have. I really think that this is the decade of India, uh, and I think entrepreneurship is so vibrant. Uh, and and you know the entrepreneurs we met today, you know probably the subject of another episode which will come out uh, but uh, the audacity with which they're looking at markets is just simply amazing and I think this is a sample of what's going on uh, in the market so and, and I think that what you're doing with this program is going to encourage many more people to come up and do it to take the first step forward to see there are people like me doing this people need examples and I think you're providing that to them plus also you know helping them learn many different aspects which may not be directly connected, but I think conversations which, which go everywhere are also valuable to learn from, you never know what you can pick up. Uh, so from that perspective, I'm, I'm a big supporter, I'm a big believer. Uh, I love how some of the companies are coming up in India. Uh, love having an opportunity to help the founders to build brands. And I think one of the passions I also have is that I really want to see a lot of these companies succeed yeah. and not just succeed in India and it's not about the small beating the big but it's about really succeeding on a global stage because I think the time has come uh, and the time is now and I think to anyone who's listening this is the time to do it uh, yeah. you're not going to get all these things working together uh, and this is really a golden moment so I think there's also some amount of FOMO that I'm not here and <laughs> doing that but I would support in any which way and which, which is why I say, you know, that's my day job in, in my spare time, which is like a hobby or play for me. I, I like uh, helping uh, some of these companies and helping some of the founders and seeing, you know, whatever little way I can do. But obviously, help has to be sought also. It's not, it's not a uh, one-way street where you say, I'm going to help you and I can see how I'm going to help you. They, they need to know what help they need and, and stuff like that. But uh, I think that's sort of the background. Amazing. I think uh, one of the things that stands out for me, Arjun, about you is every Saturday morning over the last three, four months, um, I would get a message from you and to our viewers, Arjun is five hours be behind India. So at 11 or 12 in the morning, India time or maybe one o'clock by, by the time I'm having lunch on a Saturday, I would get a photograph of, a, of your laptop or your iPad with the barbershop episode going on, uh, your beautiful home in the background. Uh, your feet on the table or something to show that it's you <laughs> watching and it's not just a photograph. But to be very honest, um, you would put down detailed feedback about what you learned from an episode, especially if it was season one. In season two, you we gravitated towards telling me about how do we make conversations richer, how uh, you know we can make founders more well prepared, how do equity seekers come across as better. But the entire approach to being helpful and generous. It is not easy to watch a two and a half hour episode and then have the energy to type it all out on a Saturday which is when you probably are on holiday spending time with your family and so on. But you invested that which for me was very heart touching like it was genuinely very moving plus it moved us in the right direction. So I wanted to come down to is that something that you do generally is that how much of yourself you put into your relationships 
professional and otherwise or was was it something special for the barbershop <laughs> uh this is like a trick question <laughs> no, 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 yeah. as honestly as you yeah. want so so the first thing i'll say is that the content is addictive right so the content is really good uh, i i think the numbers speak for itself there are people watching and you know completing the episodes and putting out one hour two hour and maybe two into two hour content uh and having people have such high engagement and watch rates uh the numbers speak for themselves so i am one of the people who are addicted to the show it's a time for me to also get closer and keep myself grounded to what's happening in the startup ecosystem in india and i think for a lot of people who are watching it in india also who don't have access it is a way for them to get connected to very successful founders and now also to people who are just starting out because i think the cohort of people you are speaking to is different so i think content is very good to start off with first second i want you to be successful so i think um, what you're doing is extremely noble uh, I, i think it's a service to the to the community it's a service to people who don't know yet and who have not started up yet and even if you can convert one person with every episode it's worth this effort yeah uh, so i'm trying to just play my small part in it and i think there i may have some expertise that i can lend or we can have a discussion together where i can say hey listen these are these are the good things which is working but i think some of these things you know if you tweak this you can get more engagement you can get the right message out yeah uh you can give give a more balanced message uh to people about what they're doing so i think it's that third i don't think it's work for me i think that's you know that's the most important thing this is not a job it's one it's a way to disconnect from everything that i do during the week I also spend the Saturday morning time when everyone is relaxed and sleeping. I actually am a very early riser, yeah. so I get up very early. Everyone is sleeping, uh, so most of the time I would read a book or something. And this I would read a book a little bit and then you know say okay let's watch the episode. Uh, and then complete it. If I don't complete it on Saturday, I'll watch half. If people wake up, then it has to stop. <laughs> uh, and then I would watch it on Sunday and go through with it. But it's it's kind of like a it's got set into the routine uh and uh, it's it's enjoyable right so it's, i don't i won't I, you can call it entertainment and i won't label it as entertainment as such uh but i think it's also learning so uh if, there is just so much to learn in every episode you would pick up even if you pick up one or two 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 three things in the one hour it's like really worth invested because you'd look at a problem from a different angle altogether or you would learn about a new business or you would learn about a new perspective especially with the guests that you had uh so i think that's those are some of the drivers nothing more than that but do you um, and i've seen this not only in the context of barbershop but in the context of other founders that we co-invest in hmm. um or <clears throat> the other founders that you invested in institutionally or even the kind of relationships you have built with id and some hmm. of the other people who we know together that is something which is a hallmark of your relationships which is you go out of your way to invest time and intelligence into making the other person as successful as possible where does that come from is this conditioning or is this who you are or is someone taught you to do this or did someone do this for you uh, where you feel that you know this is like you feel like giving back and you do it very naturally now yeah i i think maybe all of the above in some way or the other okay. uh, i think you know first of all to acknowledge we are always the sum of everyone who invested in us who didn't need to uh over time so you know there are some people who who 
need to or want to uh, out of desire and uh, I don't think it's an entitlement but uh, you know th those would naturally be your parents and your very closest friends and things like that uh, and you know that makes us who we are to a large extent but I think that some of you know the top spin or the top up or things that you would not get which is not your base conditioning and your values you learn some of these things from people on your journey along the way yeah. and throughout throughout the journey there have been so many people who've not needed to help or who've not needed to do anything or you know you're somewhere and you do a meeting and someone comes to you by the side and says hey you know you did this thing maybe if you did it this way you would you would be able to come to a better outcome and that could be like a game changing moment for you yeah. and and over time you see lots of people bosses mentors people invest in you uh, so i think part of it is is a conditioning that you know they did it and i'm here today because of you know what they gave me and how do you give back uh, then i think also that i don't like breadth of relationships and that's probably because i am actually an introvert on the complete end of the spectrum really yeah on the complete that end of the spectrum that is so difficult to make out yeah so and then it's trained over time to not be like that in settings uh, and you train yourself over time and you learn over time that you know what are the things you can do but how do you know you're an introvert or an extrovert that you know if you're with a lot of people when you finish are you exhausted or you're not exhausted yeah and do you, you? do you get I, i get exhausted today has been difficult today is difficult <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so it's exhausting but uh, you need to pull yourself and and move move ahead so but depth of a relationship gives me energy yeah. so if it's yeah. it's one on one or if it's a few people and we can go deep that gives me energy so i i i figured that out at some point of time that this gives energy and therefore it's something that you enjoy doing and again it's it's not work it's not it's not something that you have to do but it 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 gives you energy so there is some selfish need also in that for yourself yeah uh that you're doing uh and then if you can help why will you not help yeah uh, i think uh, that's that's also no, that's they, also that's part of it that's a very rare view of the world by the way people typically will hold their cards close to their chest schadenfreude is kind of very very common right uh, you in fact are waiting for people to fail or for i told you so moments but to genuinely wait for other people to succeed you know in your case with founders become billionaires uh, or kind of become ceos etc it requires a very special mindset to selflessly help i remember our common friend lakshman once told um, uh, once told me uh, about <clears throat> a concept called sponsorship and he said that with certain people he said look i don't think i can do any help or even mentorship right my only job is to be a sponsor which is i am responsible for their success in a tangible way my only job is to thumb the table in rooms that were, that are relevant to them um Uh, to connect them to people who they can get funded by or can get a job opportunities or whatever and i'm only measured by how successful they become because of my interventions not how much they learn from me mm. how much i can do anything for them otherwise just to be successful and i think that's an amazing way to measure ki am i kind of am i kind of um, sponsoring people the way you do mm. and but tell me a little bit more about the people who did it for you who did not need to and like what what about your relationship with them crystallize that mentorship uh, and that sponsorship in your case ah oh, that's a very interesting one 
I'll have to really. There are just so many of them. Maybe one or two that come but, to but, mind. You know, I don't want to take one or two names and then leave the others out. It feels <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. It, it feels uh, it feels really bad. I I I, I let me just. Uh, but but before that, I just want to talk about a different aspect. So yeah. I think that's a very tangible way, and I also think everyone has their own way of helping. Yeah. So I, I think there is no one formula of this is the only way to help people, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, that that you uh, get to. I think pay it forward is a great way, uh, and I think a lot of the a lot of the help you do. The most important thing is: Are you helping with some kind of motive or outcome in your mind, or are you helping without any motive? Uh, you know the the Chinese have a concept called guangxi, uh, you know, which is about helping each other, and therefore build. It's very similar. I can't find an equivalent word for it in English, but it's how you would build an ecosystem together, or how you would invest in each other, and how you would grow with each other, without expecting what will happen. You know, something good will happen, but you don't know what will happen. As an outcome of it, especially for yourself, especially for yourself, especially for yourself, or especially for your company or for your institution, but you know that something good will happen because you know you are doing things for each other, and it's not you don't keep score, so you don't keep a score that I did him two favors and I did her three favors. Now she owes me three, he owes me two, type of thing. Nothing like that. Uh, you just help each other, and and you keep moving on, on with it. So, uh, I mean. I can come up with let's say the simplest example stranger right we are traveling in japan uh, my wife and i it's late at night we decide to be adventurous we have a japan rail pass we land up in some town i don't even remember the name and everything is in japanese we have no way to get out of it uh, we don't know which train to board or what to do and it's dark at night 11 o'clock all we know is that we've we've taken this japan rail pass and we need to get back to kobe which is an other city somewhere else Where a friend of ours is staying because you know uh, we are like bootstrap backpacking type of scene. We couldn't even afford a hotel except once we blew the money on the JR Rail Pass. It's finished, right? You can't do anything else. And we are just standing there. We have no idea what to do. And uh, of course, a Japanese person comes up to us, huh. and uh, he can't speak English. Uh, and this is like way back in the day. Was there Google on your phone? There is no phone, man. This was this was when there was no smartphone. So, wow. so this is like way back in the day. I'm showing my age also by saying all this, but <laughs> it's like way back in the day. There's no smartphone. Uh-huh. Uh, you had the button Nokia phones at that point of time, and uh, you're stuck there. And this guy turns up to you, and he knows that something is wrong because people in Japan can feel it and read it in the air. They have this this saying that in Japan you have to know how to read the air, and he can read the air that we are worried, and we are really nervous because we don't know how we're going to get back. This guy pulls out a calculator-looking thing from his pocket. I'm wondering what is this guy going to do, and he opens this calculator thing and he starts typing in Japanese. And this thing started translating in English. So it was a little pocket translator that this guy had. Oh wow! Yeah, like, yeah. A, like a device. Like a device. This guy was a passenger, and uh, he somehow got from us because we would say it in English and it would translate back into Japanese to him. Uh, And he figured out we wanted to go to the city. Wow! And uh, one train came and went. Uh, he said, "No, not on this one. Wait." He got us onto the right train, and he stood and watched us go. Later on, I realized from some friends, some Japanese friends, he missed his train. So the first train was his train, which he was waiting for, to let us go. Now he didn't need to do that. That's insane. We were strange people in a strange land. 
and uh, he helped us. God knows what would have happened because my instinct would have been get into the first train because the train is going in that direction, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> I don't know what misadventure we would have had at yeah. the end of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, everything was fine and it worked. So, it's just a simple kindness of a stranger. Uh, and this, this you find happens again and again and again. Because I think people have, on the whole, more good in them. And they, they would show it if, if you are willing to accept it. accept it and take it. And see, if you're in a strange country and a stranger comes to you, what you've probably been taught, and I've, pro and I've probably been taught also that don't speak to strangers yeah. when we are kids. So you would say like, is this guy, you're in a strange country, right? Is this guy going to mug me? Is he going to take away my money? Is he going to do something to me? Uh, you could react two ways. Yeah. And if you react as in, in a positive way to a fellow human being, they will respond in a positive way most of the times. Yeah. I've seen that nine times out of ten. So, wow. and of course there is the odd case, you know, something will go wrong, you'll be gullible, etc, etc. But uh, it's the opposite of startup investing. So in startup investing, if you if you uh, if you go into a company at the very early stage where there's no one else and you're the first check, nine out of time, ten times you'll fail. Yeah. In this, the odds are completely the opposite. Nine out of ten times, someone will help you. Yeah. One out of ten times, someone will cheat you. Yeah. It's an odd word taking. Uh, so 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 I think that's just happened over a period of time. Bosses who've helped you, who spend time to you to time with you to coach you, even though they don't need to coach you in something. Uh, people who don't have anything to do with you or they're just friends, they sit down and say, hey, listen, I can help you. So this happens so many times in life again and again uh, over a period of time. And I think just the world is a better place if you, if everyone is helping each other. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I completely agree. But tell me, I'm going to kind of probe on the one or two examples of places where someone has meaningfully done, not li life-changing is a big bar, but like today, for example, Tabre said, right, hmm. that I was in a job which was a dead-end job. Yeah. And my boss told me that if you're doing something which you're not enjoying and someone else can do it, then you're in the wrong job. Hmm. And he said that changed my life. And it's amazing that that same boss is today his co-founder and they're building something together. Hmm. But that one sentence meant so much to him. But can you can you recount some moments which kind of, which stayed with you from a mentorship standpoint or people who kind of backed you early on in your career? Hmm. Or through your career actually? Yeah. I'll, I can give you a boss story since we're at it, right? So, you know Addy as well. Uh, many years ago... me just yesterday. Yeah. See, I think about this. The guy is so senior. He, I mean, he can call me up and I will be sleeping and I will get up and stand in attention and take his call for one <laughs> hour if he wants to talk to me, right? That's the... And that's fine. He's earned hmm. it because Addy is so much senior to me that I yeah. will do it because that's just who he is and what I feel for him. But he's like, can I take one hour of your time on Zoom over the next one to three weeks to share my idea with you. And I'm like, Addy, come on. Like, I will, <laughs> of course, like, I was so, it was so embarrassingly humbling to me. But mm. that's the kind of guy he is. So I yeah. just absolutely adore him. Yeah. But anyway, you guys share a special relationship. So tell me more. Yeah. So um, I had, um, you know, at that point of time, I had left my, uh, I'd left my uh, pretty good going career at PNG and joined uh, Racket in like, Korea. In Korea. In Korea. And uh, it, what happened to me after I went there was like a series of unfortunate events. Uh, so I failed again and again for six quarters. Uh, okay. Complete disaster, right? I was a complete disaster. What were you doing there? I was the marketing director. But by the time I left, and I had my greatest learning there as well. Uh, by the time I left there, 
I had changed myself to e-commerce and marketing director and that's how I landed up in e-commerce eventually. Uh, but at that point of time, I, I, neither did I know any of this, neither did Addy know any of this. Addy was, uh, Addy was my one-up manager. He was based in China and uh, we were part of the same region, Northeast Asia. And I had had, a sp out of all the six quarters, I probably had the most spectacularly bad quarter of my life till today, till today. And in that quarter, uh, I hope you never go through it in Bombay Shaving Company, we did a consumer product recall. Wow. That's the toughest thing to do, by the way, you have to go to the, you have to get the product back from the houses of consumers. Because it was a, there was a hygiene, it was a like a... Whatever. It was, uh, it's a very long story. Huh. Uh, it, it was a technicality, so there was no consumer safety issue. But it was, there was a product recall which had to happen, okay. which is very difficult. And also, besides that, the business not going well, etc, etc, etc. Which year was this, if you don't mind me asking? Maybe it was 13. Okay. Around 13. Hmm. Uh, and I, I won't give you the exact number, but I lost, uh, you could say the team lost, I lost, but I take the responsibility. I caused a loss of over $10 million for the company. And I thought, this is it, it's finished, right? I'm gone. And then, uh, and, and it was just early days in the company. And then Addy goes on stage and, you know, he's, he's talking about what happened in the business and all. And then suddenly he points out and says that, um, you know, this guy Arjun, uh, he's lost this amount of money for the company. What do you think we should do with this guy? <laughs> so, you know, it was the shock of a lifetime for me. I was like, my God, is this going to happen publicly? <laughs> like in front of all the directors? Because anyway, I've already imagined the worst. So I'm like, uh, you know, something uh, and, you know, and it was like, and because of him, you're not getting your bonus, etc. So I said, okay, now the crowd is going to lynch me uh, at the end of this thing. And um, I think what he said next is like the moment that that founder had. So he says, some of you would say that we should fire him. But... I think that's absolutely the worst thing we can do. Do you know why? So everyone was like, first of all, no one expected it. So everyone <laughs> is like, why? Like, what, what is this guy talking? That guy's crazy, but this guy's even more crazy. So he says, you know, people say that we are not a training company or we don't invest money in training people at senior levels. Uh, but I just, I just sponsored the most expensive executive MBA in, in this company's history. And you think that I'm going to let the person go out in attrition because after learning, after learning, after learning how to fail. Wow. And I didn't know what to say. So I think at, at that point of time, I realized the power of the learning that comes from failure. And of course, you know, like, like you say, immediately I felt huge debt. So I was like, oh my God, now I owe... Yeah. So much debt and my, at that time I was doing e-commerce. So in my mind, I immediately said, if I have to give a ROAS of three on this, oh my God, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so I made a mental note that I have to give the ROAS uh, at some point of time. So I have a debt which I need to pay back. It was also positioned as an executive MBA that the company paid for. So I said, I have to make sure that I repay this debt someday. But I think that just completely changed my perspective on failure. And before that, I think I was pr probably near you know, some kind of depression that, you know, failing so many times again. I had not experienced that kind of failure. So, the sentence, if, it, if the sentence was different or, you know, if I got fired or lynched or something like that, 
I would be completely broken today. So, and, and that was one of the greatest favors that could have happened at that point of time. And then, you know, came back, the story ends very well. We turned around the business because we pivoted from a, you know, being an offline company into an online company. You grew double digit, everything happened. A few years later, I was working in another assignment and I did deliver the 3x ROAS. And which was unexpected ROAS in the year. Uh, and I think a lot of the learning came from that executive MBA, uh, which was called. And I still, you know, remember that I met Addy and I told him, I said, you know, the debt is settled. Uh, I have paid for my executive MBA. So now we are quits and we are zero. And, uh, you know, Addy being Addy, he just laughed at it. <laughs> I said, yeah, 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 you know, I was joking and type of a thing. Uh, but, uh, but, but this would be like, you know, one of the moments. And, you know, when you had moments like this in your life and in your career, which are so meaningful to you, which are really turning points, I completely view failure completely differently now. And, uh, you know, there's a saying like in my team, I keep telling people, uh, what, you know, what does fail stand for? First attempt in learning. That's what fail is. So you need to fail. And the, the more you fail, the more you'll succeed in the long term. Uh, because failure teaches you lessons that success doesn't teach you. Because success teaches you an ego lesson that you're so great, it's because of me. That's, you know, that's the final lesson of every success. Everyone believes it's 100% me when you succeed. Uh, and when you fail, uh, people believe, oh, I had bad luck or my bad luck was very bad or he did this and she did that. And if this has not happened and that had not happened, nobody says when they're successful, very few people I've seen who says that I only succeeded because, you know, it was mostly luck or whatever. Or it's a humble brag or something like that. Uh, but I truly believe that big success comes through big failure and, and continuous iteration and failing again and again. And if you're not failing enough, you're not, you're being too safe and you're not going to be successful. You're not trying hard enough. Yeah. I remember very clearly my first learning at McKinsey. Um, I was 24 years old and we were doing coal procurement uh, in Jharsugoda. Hmm. This is not small, okay? There's 2 lakh tons of coal a month. And I was the only associate on that work stream. There were four other associates in other parts of the plant, but procurement I was doing. And I took some bad calls. Hmm. Like I, I decided to buy 20,000 tons from a particular mine at a time when the mine plan showed hmm. that the there would be rains. So the coal that was coming out was wetter. Uh, and then there was a couple of auction calls. Like it's a, mm. a sell-side auction, right? Couple of the auction calls in terms of bids. I bid a lot more than the other contemporaries. I paid mm. my marginal cost per per GCV was much higher. And company went into loss. And this is not even my company. This is mm. my client, right? And I'm representing the firm. And I'm 24 years old. And it's my first job. And I don't want to lose it. And Anupam Agarwal, who's the founder of Rev, was my manager and he's a hardcore guy, okay? Like one of the most badass human beings you would meet from a problem solving and intelligence standpoint. I was like, this guy's gonna come on Thursday and he's gonna screw me. And he came and we, he, we used to charter, we used to charter flights in from Bhubaneswar or from Ranchi, hmm. uh, Raipur into Jharsukuda. So I was like, Kabar, I kept looking at the phone, at the, at the Blackberries, right? Hmm. When's the charter coming? His charter landed, like, okay, he's half an hour away from here. And we had exchanged by Blackberry messengers. He like, I said, it's hmm. not loss. Hai. The other three mistakes. Hmm. And he said, his only response to that was two exclamations. Question mark and exclamation. <laughs> that was the message I had got from him. <laughs> so I was like, oh God, he's going to be so pissed off. So he came to the plant and I was sitting in the, in the team room. And he came in and he saw me trembling. And um, he took me to the side and he said, come, let's go for a smoke. Hmm. So 
went for a smoke <coughs> and i told him like kya hua and he went first thing he did was understood the situation so he put himself in my shoes and said why did you take the calls you took hmm. i want to not questioning to see to to evaluate my competence hmm. questioning to empathize my situation which are two very right. different ways yeah. right but he did the latter and then he i said he okay understood understood makes sense samleshwari mein matlab itna mind plan tha to theek hai manga liya sab it's a bet that went wrong anyone could have made it and auction bids theek hai if the flip side was if you didn't get the coal because there was a supply side issue the the boilers would have to stay empty so you de-risked the business of course it went wrong and it's fine and i said okay i said now how how are you going to punish me was mm. the look on my face you <laughs> what is my punishment yeah and you said what punishment nothing like there is no mistake you will make that i will not be able to explain and protect as mm. long as you do it with the right intent yeah and i was like that is amazing because after that i just felt confidence over a very different yeah. level i never felt alone i never felt i always felt this guy had my back and if those things went down between the client or his bosses like They were scary partners in McKinsey at that yeah. time. Or maybe I was too young, so yeah. I used to I used to feel that these are going to eat yeah. me alive. But between me and them, there's going to be Anupam, yeah. and I didn't ever question that, and I did very well. So, for me, mentorship is always about not mentorship, but kind of being a great boss was always about giving freedom, like you know, kind of absorbing the pressure and releasing the empowerment. Yeah. As opposed to some bosses who kiss up and kick down. Yeah. which is some of the worst like they're the they're kind of more insecure yeah self you know selfish kind of bosses but some of them are just amazing and that's the kind of mentors i've had yeah. but your and adi's relationship has evolved into something very beautiful over the last yeah. 10 years or so you kind of went did a lot of work together i mean even till today we are great friends huh. uh you know just like your friends with your former bosses as yeah. well uh, i think these relationships go way beyond work uh but uh, I, i think uh just coming back to some of the points you said like bets right everything is a bet yeah and sometimes the bet goes right and you do very well and sometimes a bet goes wrong and and i think it's really important for people to realize that that anything can go wrong uh, even if there's a small probability of 1% it can go wrong and as long as you had the right <sighs> intent and the right backstop and you took the risk in a right way uh, it's there and then there's nothing like knowing that you have a boss who has your back right yeah that that i think i've seen it you know all of us have our share of best bosses and worst bosses yeah. and good bosses and bad bosses but i think what always sets the best boss there are many many things but if the boss doesn't have your back they have no chance to fall into the best boss or good boss bracket you know okay. that's that's like a go no go criteria it's it's a make it or break it uh, type of a thing other thing on bosses the this is i think my conclusion and it could be wrong and it maybe it works only for me uh, but i i see a lot of people uh, also saying it that in the workplace the single most important thing more important than anything else and i would give it a weightage of 90 plus your happiness at work and happiness with what you do is completely correlated with who your boss is and what is the relationship you have with her or him and wow and you can go back and look at any role you've done in your life even as a founder maybe your boss is the board if you have a great board yeah. uh, you know 
who support you and who egg you on and if you have a bad board you would end up in a bad situation but who you work for assuming that you know you're and even if you are actually uh, doing something uh, you know if you're a bank robber or whatever even then who you work for <laughs> who you work for is the single most important thing it's the single most important driver of everything you do and this is something that people don't believe they can do but and sometimes you have a choice and sometimes you don't have a choice but if you can always choose your boss yeah yeah if you if you can choose your boss i would always like yeah of course there's institution and company and things like that and of course in big companies they want you to feel that the company is there and the company is greater than individual for sure uh but who you work for makes a bigger difference than where you work what you work on and what you're doing yeah and that is the single biggest driver so i always try to figure out how can you optimize for that and how can you land up in that situation yeah uh and if anyone asks me for advice i always always say that try and figure out who you want to work for uh, yeah. because that will make the single or then the next the next double click on that is what you do does it have purpose do you yeah. really enjoy it and then who do you work with yeah. do you love who you work with yeah and i think if you solve three of these you solve most of your work problems in life and then it's a question of can you extract value and you know all the all, all the other stuff but that's never the answer no one no one leaves no one leaves let's say bombay shaving company or or the company i work for for 10% extra money i agree no one ever leaves for 10% or 15% or even 50 yeah i even 50 people don't leave even when they get 100% extra money because yeah. they want to continue working with the team and the boss and what they're doing yeah so uh whenever people say it's you know it's a percentage extra problem it's never that that's that is always the first easiest excuse to give wow one of the things you're right like for example having your back is one but it it manifests in multiple ways one of the ways i've consistently seen great managers or leaders do it uh, is they they i don't i don't know whether it's a training thing or whether it's just naturally who they are as people they always practice admonish in private praise in public yeah. and it's beautiful to watch yeah. for example um if i'm with deepak's team right and deepak works with them every day and i probably see them once in a while or maybe once a week and if something is not as per my satisfaction and if i go to deepak's subordinate or their subordinate and say this is not right or you know this doesn't make any sense i don't like this blah 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 it happens subconsciously i'm looking at deepak mm. to protect mm. and he does right and that's the sign of a soft someone who say hey shantanu hold on yeah here's what i think has happened okay and here are the three things by the way i disagree with you on point number a mm. is i don't think i think that that's an overreach mm. on points b and c agree but here here's the explanation here's how we're going to correct it yeah bro if deepak looks at them and asks two questions in addition to what i'm asking i'm like okay hold on a second yeah now you are you're riding the the wave and and shirking responsibility but great leaders never do that they kind of always yeah and then i will notice that he will kind of when when i have left the room the admonishment is very private yeah right and that's i remember <clears throat> i don't know whether you know vinod nambiar no. the ceo at more retail okay. he was a guy who signed the shareholders agreement for us at colgate in our first colgate round so he was the asia ceo Okay. Uh, what Mukul is right now, and after that he went on a sabbatical and spent some time with us in Delhi in mm. person. So at that time he used to tell us a lot of these 
you know he was mm. on a one year sabbatical he had some time we were a young 2018 a young company um and he would kind of share with us mm. some of these some of these things and he told us this one thing that make sure your managers are admonishing in private and praising in public and yeah. not the other way around because then it's a problem it's super If, important yeah and i was like that's 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 good. what 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 else have you seen good bosses really really do really well which is it's hard to be a good boss man mm. it's easy to take responsibility and say hey i'll delegate and i'll make people happy and i'll make them have fun but when when rubber hits the road mm. and there are numbers to be met and you work in an organization yeah. that is brutally focused on on numbers and achievement and targets then then it's not easy to be a good guy mm. in fact it's very hard to be a good popular person all the time in fact yeah. rarely if, if at all yeah so um you you know this uh, this is a single example that you gave like a one on one example right I, i'll give you a expanded version of it sure the expanded version of it is uh that when the team is down and when that it could be an individual but also i think being a good boss is also about the whole team not just an individual but yeah. when the team is down you actually pick them up and lift them up and encourage them and you're full of positivity and it's actually the opposite but it's damn hard to be because it's the hard team to is be. down for a reason yeah. and then so so are you but it's right? the opposite it's the opposite of what you're taught all your life to do it's the opposite of what you're taught all your life to do but when the team is up and winning you don't do that really you don't do that so you say great but why didn't this happen or great but what about this gap so you set exceedingly high standards for a high performing team so that they can perform and perform because that's what they need you don't want a high performing team to become complacent, complacent. yeah so so you need to push the boundaries and stretch it like a rubber band and that's not what you're taught to do you're taught to say great job fantastic market shares up everything is great let's have a party you have the party but you get back and say okay now we need to double the sales yeah. it's a simple is gravity right it's gravity so if the team is up and soaring you need to give them more runway to fly yeah if the team is down the default is to go more down and more down and more down you have to pick them up that's your job as a boss so how do you pick them up when they are down when when they are the most difficult and i think that's that's also one of the things like you're saying what are some of the things this is definitely one of the things that i've seen good bosses do or good leaders do uh with organizations amazing amazing tell me tell, tell me i'm going to ask you a slightly vague question because mm. we've had this discussion over lunch in london mm. and kind of moving from mentorship and bosses to to kind of a more broader theme of 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 being a business leader um and i remember the 0 to 1 1 to 10 the mm. hoffman example but uh you're someone who's kind of taken on multiple roles in multiple geographies increasing scope of influence hmm. and now with your latest uh, you know greater china hmm. uh, responsibility you handle a, a massive business right um and what do you think are your tenets of being a great leader in a business context like what differentiates the good from the great from a business leadership standpoint I know it's a very vague question, yeah. and I'm, I'm I'm aware <laughs> that you know it kind of will kind of be. But if you were to think about what you do well, um, and maybe better than anyone else, what 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 would those things be? Number one rule: 
hire people who are better than you. And I think again, that's another difficult thing to do. Yeah. Because you're trained to, or the mind has something that you, you say if they're better than me, then they should be above me or they should be at my seat. Uh, but you need to do two things simultaneously. You need to make your boss redundant. Yeah. And you need to hire people who make you redundant. And that's the only way, you know, you can move on to the next thing or do more and more things. So hire people who are better than you. And there are many tenets to this. So I can, you know, go through many, many different ways of, you know, what are some of the heuristics you use, how you work on it. But the key is hire people who are better than you and set them free and don't micromanage them. And coming back to the first thing we talked about, you know, which is about you keep setting the standards high. Um, very early, like when I was a brand manager, I learned about this concept called the Pygmalion effect. Have you heard of it? No. Say more. People will do exactly what you expect them to do. So if you set the expectation unreasonably high, they will deliver unreasonably high. If you set the expectation as, you know, you are only capable of this, you will get exactly that or maybe slightly more. Maybe the person will have fire in the belly. So they'll do 3% more than and say that, you know, I proved you wrong. You have to take a bet on people. Get good people. Be sure that they're good people. Be sure that they're better than you. Have the guts to employ people who are better than you. Set them free. Give them all the resources. Tell them this line, which, you know, I'm going to share with you. And I know too many people will know it, but it's fine. Maybe it's better for the world. That... There is no idea in the world, if it's a good idea, that you can't find the money for. There is no idea in the world. Because if it's a good idea, capital will come to it. And set them free to do, do what they're good at. And encourage them and work with them. Help them where help is needed. And then build an ecosystem like that. That's how you can do many things. You can't do many things if, if you are doing everything. You can only do many things if there are other people doing many things. But you have, they have, have to want to do it. You have to get the best out of them. It has to be in their purpose. You need to find a way of connecting their purpose to what they're doing. And you have to make it easy. And, and then you just have to repeat it again and again and again. So it's not, it's not a formula, but I think everyone comes to something at some point of time uh, and gets there. So I would say, you know, this may be one aspect. There are many aspects of it, of course. But this would definitely be one aspect of it. I want to ask you two questions on this. One is, when, and I've heard this, hmm. and you've told me this multiple times, hire people better than you. But I wanted to ask you, define better than you. Like, in what way? How, how, how would you judge that? Or for that role? Or how would you say someone's better than me? I think when you feel uncomfortable, that they know something more than you, or you ask them about some problems and say, how would you solve this? Or if you see the, it would be a different approach to you. So if you hire a clone of yourself, the chances yeah. are they are a younger version. So this is, this is like a disease which almost everyone has, that you tend to hire younger versions of yourself. Yeah. And if you hire a younger version of yourself, they will definitely, they may get better than you someday, but they're not better than you then. So I think first of all is mastery or domain knowledge. Yeah. Are they better than you to do that job? Do they know more than you? Uh, and if they don't, you have to seek out. So, for example, when do you hire external or when do you hire internal? So internal, if you can find a person with the skills which is better than you. And a lot of times, let's say in new age businesses or if you're building a company, you may not have that person inside the company. But you have to have a clear filter. 
that if it is about better leadership you can teach better leadership in your company you can teach the people to grow up and become great leaders in this company as you build bombay shaving company into an institution but there are some technical skills which cannot be replaced yeah and you need to get them from outside supposing you want to pivot to becoming more of a tech company having an app ecosystem whatever build a services business out you need to hire a person who knows how to do yeah. that and that person is going to by definition be better than you wow so so you need to find these people and get them to work so if that your person team. is able to make you intellectually insecure in the in in the field yeah of that yeah role wow the uh, the other uh, sometimes you you don't get the opportunity to do this you're also building a team so it's not about this person being better so there are many there are many variables that you're solving for at the same time yeah another variable you're solving for is let's say you have a team of 10 people one person goes gets promoted or goes to another company becomes a ceo somewhere else how are you going to put what is the criteria if you had only one criteria i'm going to ask you a question yeah how would you choose the new 10th person if someone leaves yeah or they get promoted whatever let's say they leave on a positive note yeah. for, for whatever reason yeah how would you replace that person personally hmm. i genuinely wait to see if naturally organically there is someone in the team who takes the responsibility and fills the role hmm. because typically you feel that if someone has left or gotten promoted or for whatever if there's a yeah. vacancy that <clears throat> there is a temptation to quickly fill that vacancy hmm. you know put a job description out get your head hunters on board yeah. find the five people interview blah 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 fill the vacancy what we don't realize is that vacancies are like black holes and black holes have massive gravity hmm. and gravity works two ways one is either it pulls senior people into doing that job hmm. or it pulls junior people up into doing like they kind of start yeah. punching about their weight if gravity of that vacancy is pulling someone here and someone here is going to get pulled up yeah naturally because they are more capable they are yeah. you know they are someone who is kind of aspiring for that role it could be an ambitious human being it could mm. be a you know one of those people and i have i start wait i wait for maybe 3 to 6 weeks to see mm. if someone is getting pulled into this and if that is happening then i kind of step in or i'll ask someone this person seems to be seems to be filling those shoes mm. quickly ask them if they want to do we think that that person has the has has the gumption and the com- competence to do it hmm. and if the answer to those two questions is yes then we quickly do, we don't hire we quickly move that person and make the team work and maybe okay. give 3 to 6 months of coaching hmm. you know uh, apprenticeship etc so that it's not you know flapping in the deep end of the pool for too long hmm. but if that gravity is pulling senior people down hmm. then we hire So okay. that's the way we think about okay. it. Okay. I'll add another one to it. Huh. That the person you hire for that 10th role, it becomes super critical because that's going to either drive your culture up or down. It won't stay flat. That's for sure. Correct. How do you choose a person whether internal, you know, whether getting sucked up, sucked down, whatever way you see it, whose addition will make the team a better team than it was when the earlier 10th member was in the team? Yeah. that is the key filter and it can be a it can be a very junior person it can be a person you take a bet on but it's not just about that person being right about right for the job it is did the whole team get better as a result of hiring that person 
and wow. that's how you take the high performing team to the next level to the next level to the next level so average up you have to av- the team is the average of the 10 people yeah they may have different weights and you know it's not a mathematical formula it's human beings at the end of the day but you have to be super conscious of making sure that that person makes the team better than the last person did wow and i will ask you a second question on the initial hiring people better than you but right you make it sound easy because i think you do it naturally which is to hire people better than you at their roles hmm. give them empowerment and then make sure that they have all the resources they need whether it's their own teams they have money time etc to do it my question to you is slightly more deeper which is <clears throat> if you know that they are better than you it is very likely that they also know that they are better than you and that role how do you role model for them when both of you are of, are, are clear that they may be better than you but you are the leader so how hmm. do you role model how do you become aspirational slash inspirational for these people who are in your team because hmm. it's not just about the hire you can get yeah. the hire and you may even get the first 6 months of wins and so yeah. on but how do you make it a 3 month 3 year 6 year kind of long term yeah. relationship where you role model and they look up to you hmm. even though they may be better i think first of all they don't need to look up to you oh, really why should they have to look up to you they have to work well with you Okay. you have to be a team together so i view every relationship as a batman and robin relationship okay you know like if you see batman and robin mm. they have very different skills uh they don't have the same skills actually they have completely different they even dress completely differently right correct That's right so they couldn't be two two superheroes much more far far apart and one may be designated as a senior and one may be designated as a junior but when they are doing their their stuff there is no hierarchy as such in the way they work that is very interesting and you must always look at it as a batman and robin team that you have a certain skill which you are much better than me at my job is to unleash you on that i may have a better skill and if it's an external hire i understand the company better so i can help you navigate this place uh or i can coach you on certain things or etc you have to find a way but again coming back to chinese philosophy it's yin and yang right how do two different things work together in a complementary way to come to a more harmonious better outcome yeah and i think that's the way we, you need to view every relationship and that's why it's again so important not to hire junior clones of yourself yeah that's the worst possible thing you can do in life actually the complementarity yeah, you can hire gone. them for some other role yeah. but it shouldn't be clone 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 you you'll be building a clone army and that's one of the mistakes that you know a lot of managers make a lot of companies make i have certainly made this in the past in my career as well i'm not going to name names so don't ask <laughs> right so uh but but coming back to this how do you build this batman and robin relationship huh. how do you give them a platform where together you can achieve much more than alone you were because if you hire a person who you have to keep teaching everything and uh you know you are essentially doing the same thing then you you just become a super version of that person and you don't want to be the a super version of that person you want to have a 1 plus 1 is equal to 3 effect and that's you know that has to be curated it you know it comes with doing it again and again but if you keep these things front of mind you'll you learn this over time that's very interesting but i think it's not easy to work with people who are very different from you hmm. like you have worked in different geographies so at least from a cult- cultural standpoint you have become comfortable with people who are different hmm. i have fundamentally personally found it difficult to work with people 
who are very different from me on certain aspects right mm. so in terms of life morals right mm. um if they're very different i find it hard to kind of relate um i find it very difficult to if we don't have common languages mm. to kind of engage i find it very, like i have had colleagues from different parts of the world especially in the mckinsey context where english also was very broken mm. right so we had to kind of the translation thing mm. but in a colleague level was very difficult to do so mm. <clears throat> without shared context it became very hard how do you do that like because if you yeah. are going to hire people who are different from you by design mm. then you are going to reduce shared context slash shared similarities in any yeah. way and without that how do you develop comfort and especially if it's a non hierarchical situation as you're calling yeah. it like kind of in that way let's talk about language right since huh. you brought it up huh. so i go to a strange country huh. i don't speak the language and as an expat leader in that country what is your tendency you hire people who can speak good english that's the first thing all expat people do that's the first context that they're looking for or you went to a if you went to a certain type of university did they go to that type of university or if you are an mba you tend to hire mbas uh-huh. right after lots of error let me put it that way and it came through failure that if the person speaks too good english in a country where english is not the language they are probably not the best people in the country so you're hiring wrong are you serious yeah you're hiring wrong because the business language is not english the business language is the local language of the country the consumer's language is the local language the customer's language is the local language no one speaks english so why are you hiring english people just because you can understand them better so there was a time at least two of my direct reports who could not speak english and i spoke to them through a translator okay and i got much better outcomes than the 10th the 10th man syndrome which we talked about who could speak english they could do an average or above average job but i i made some hires who could not speak english no, no, and no. and they turned out to be superstars they completely changed the game and you have to put your comfort aside you have to ask is it right for the team does the team get better can you get a better outcome are they better at the job why is language the way to do it i know you can't communicate and, and it's diff, you, you know it's friction yeah of course it's friction but if you keep solving for your personal friction then you're not a selfless manager yeah you're not solving for the company and you're not solving for the outcome so you have to solve for the outcome and in many cases what you think is right is wrong and it doesn't work so you need to ask yourself if the context is too high therefore you and everything is the same are you hiring a clone of yourself wow and listen i think sometimes you you do need to have people who you have a common lingo with one or two or yeah. whatever right but it doesn't have to apply to every Everyone. single person in your company Agreed. if you have one or two people let's say you and deepak you know you share that bond and you share the trust and you work together and your co-founders it should be enough why should everyone have that with you but have you seen how different we are yes <laughs> we are yin and yeah. yang on steroids yeah and th- and that's why it works that's why it works and that's why we can all see that <clears throat> absolutely have you seen by the way that you are method for evaluating competence or excellence in people um like some of the things that you thought were right or important has kind of changed uh, over a period of time it changes all the time 
and and that's how you start off with over a period of time you've learned to question your gut and say why are you asking that question what if you were wrong how do you look at it differently and a very important question to ask is that do you see something in this person that the person does not see in themselves today that if we start working together we can do or is this person capable of something but they are they are stuck doing something which is not them or they have a boss with whom the relationship is not good or they're just in the wrong place or yeah. they're doing the wrong thing and if you're able to change one or two things will that work because everyone has you know every human being has some kind of infinite potential and you have to see the potential and of course you know they are skills and they vary and the time is right so so there are many things it's not that any person who turns up you can take them in and say okay now you have infinite potential and you can you can you can take any role you want sometimes you you can have the potential but you are 10 years of experience away from it uh but i think also you know the framework of uh very simple you are good and you are not or you are a ghoda and you are not a ghoda which is actually what you know one of the professors taught me in uh, in college that you know when you go to work there'll be there'll be ghodas and there'll not be ghodas and your job is to spot the horses and run with them right but over time you realize other things are important and this evolved later on uh, you know it, at one point it's actually a meme but it's a fantastic meme on evaluating talent okay and of course in the corporate world you don't use uh. it but if you if you look at it there are two vectors uh, at work and i don't use this now but at one point of time i i i have looked at it and from time to time i do look at it i'll i'll share with you what i would see now as as very important one axis is himmat courage one axis is okad which has no word in english and I'll leave it for you to figure out, or you know, you can put up a. I, I'll send you the picture. You can put it up on yeah. the side here, somewhere yeah. left, right, wherever in, yeah. the, in the edit. It gives you four titles, yeah. uh, 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 which are Fadu, which is high himmat, high akad. High high. Yeah. Fadu. Yeah. Feku. Feku is Don't low. <laughs> okay, okay, guess. Then we can. Feku is low akad, high himmat. Whatever. Yeah. Fudu, okay. Faltu. Anyway, you want Fadu people basically. <laughs> like, so, so you're optimizing for the Correct. for the top box, right? Correct. Correct. And what you're looking for is so it's not it's not about labeling people. You're this, you're that, you're you're this. It's not at all about that. It's just about if you're if you're working with a person, does the person have and you know in episode in season two what you're evaluating, we keep saying conviction. Yeah. Do you have conviction? But conviction is nothing but courage. Yeah. In some way, or it's a, it's one of the aspects of courage. Correct. So, do you have courage? Do you believe in yourself? Do you believe in your ideas? Do you go out there? You know, do you bat first? Do you protect your people? people. Uh, 
do you believe in them so all that is courage so yeah. do you have the courage to do big stuff and then okad very difficult to explain in english but i'm sure most of the viewership understands the word hindi do they have the okad <laughs> right because if you combine the two things yeah you have a deadly combination yeah and it's a meme so you can put up the meme and then people can look at it and laugh at it but it's a very you know uh, you know sometimes as they say art imitates reality and reality imitates art yeah sometimes memes the reason we connect with memes is because they actually That's really so true. true they are I so agree. true uh, and and this is true but this is not the last model you keep evolving it uh, uh yeah the, so, so what is the competence bit yeah, so let's call it the skill matrix or competence the enthusiasm integrity i yeah, believe those you have that so let's call it a competence skill matrix correct the other thing is luck so again someone told me this once i'd rather have a lucky general than have a general who's intellectually correct but never has luck okay so the question is how do you seek luck I'll ask you a question here before we go further because i'm going to put the spotlight completely on you now ha how many people tell you or how many people may not have told you but they've told the editor and they may not have passed the message to you that the barber shop with shantanu is a lucky break and that you got so much organic and everything it's luck plenty plenty of people yeah. have told you in gen barber shop and otherwise people just think i'm a lucky guy yeah have you ever thought about that why are you lucky i'm kind of born born to privilege there's, there's you know there's i i don't hmm. have to take the kind of risks people take right um so things generally fall my way and these are small small things man like i never lose something permanently right ever it could be people also hmm. like there are relationships which i have been in and i am amazing friends with them today so i don't hmm. lose people i wallet i have left wallets and ipad on flights in hotels in far places someone will find it and hmm. courier it to me or i'll just find i have not lost something permanently so <clears throat> and generally I'm damn good at multi-choice questions hmm. because luck will favor me. Okay. I will back my luck. And in college, people used to say this: "Yar, it's tukka bahut se maar leta." Like, so generally, and then, क्या होता है पता है manifestation होता है मेरे लिए तो कि people believe I'm lucky, hmm. so might as well take the shot, hmm. right? Or might as well take the. So hmm. now it kind of, I take more shots than the average person would, hmm. and back myself, and I have some. validation for it ki theek hai iski wajah se ho raha hai but i have never thought about it beyond that hmm. and if you had started this thing 5 years ago would it have worked baba shop yeah no no right okay so that that gives you some clue about the luck so actually you are right you are lucky and let's let's shine a shine a light on that and figure out okay there are actually four types of luck and i think in in a lot of uh, i can say this because we know each other for for enough time a lot of times you have this and we talked even about it before that you know i'm from a privileged background and that's why i'm lucky etc yes yes you are so type 1 luck uh is what i call zip code luck what zip code were you born in wow okay right and and you have you have some of that i also have some of that and and i'm incredibly grateful for that because by the way everything in life is at least 50% luck yeah so if you're if you're optimizing for comp- competence and skill and etc etc uh that's a great thing to do and you must do it but you only optimize 50% of the equation yeah the other 50% is luck and one of the reasons we invested in you 
is because you are damn lucky. And let's talk about the second type of luck, right? On the type one luck, by the way. Yeah. You're right. One should be grateful about it. I have learned over a period of time to not be apologetic about it. That I used to earlier think that okay, other people don't have it. Should I yeah. feel a certain sense of, you know, I have it, they don't, hmm. etc. But over a period of time, I've just learned that hey, yeah. ride it, make life better for people, good people around you. But don't apologize for being lucky on on the zip code luck as you call it. Yeah. It's the least important type of luck, by the way. <laughs> okay. If you're tr- if you're setting out to do something big, yeah. Or if you're if you're evaluating, it's actually the least. And zip code luck is this, as you said. I go to a foreign country, and the person who speaks English is the person whose parents could send them abroad for an education, and uh, you know, pay for an Ivy League education. The English became good, and they came back to the country. So, it is luck. It works in life, and it's fine, uh, and it's good. Uh, the second type of luck, and again we see it, and this came the first time. Uh, we met is what what is called hustle luck. Okay, Americans are fantastic at hustling. Uh, you know that's if you want to learn how to hustle, you must go and work in the American ecosystem. Yeah, and hustling part of it is networking, but part of it is just going out there, speaking to everyone, not having a preconceived notion that this person is good, that person is bad. Every conversation can lead to something. And you just put yourself out there and hustle and hustle, and if you stir the pot enough, you'll get lucky. Yeah. And that luck is taking enough shots at the target luck. So you take enough shots at the target luck, and we were talking about angel investing earlier. Yeah. Angel investing is an is an incredibly lucky thing to do. So yeah. your zip code luck yeah. is your access luck. Yeah. You got access because you were born in a zip code. You went to a school. You went to a certain firm, etc., etc. You built a network. But then the other luck, you may have all that, and then you may have opportunities. Are you shooting at every opportunity yeah. that comes your way, and you create luck by doing that? Because anyway, at the end of the day, as I said, if you in, if you you invest in hundred or three hundred companies, you'll have five unicorns. Yeah. So that's luck. Yeah. The, the, if if you knew what the five unicorns were, why would you invest in, in, in two ninety five others? In the ninety five others, more, right? So, Correct. So it is luck. You Correct. know, it is a game of luck. So you're playing that. You're increasing your odds, but it's a game of luck. That's what they say, right? When you when you're shooting arrows in the dark, shoot as many as you can. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, that is like the second type of luck, and you can name it hustle luck. I think yeah. that's that's the simplest way to uh, sort of uh, put it out there. The third type of luck, when you combine these two, and you go to level three luck, huh. which has happened to the barber shop. If you did it five years ago, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Why did you start it? Barbershop was started because we believed that we needed to create. No, 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 no! Don't give me this corporate stuff. No, but it's the truth. In the gut, I don't want your head. I want your heart. Why did you start it? What told you that this is the time to do it? Why not one month before? Why not six months later? We're we're looking for luck. We're not looking for rational. I felt it was time for. I felt it was time for us to take up. Serious step change in our brand investments, and for me to do in public what I used to do in private. So I felt I was. I felt that we had reached an inflection point on my LinkedIn profile, yeah. on our media spend, etc. For this all to come together publicly. Okay, that's the internal part. Why do you think the world was ready to receive it? What made you so sure? Why I, did you not do it six months ago? I had not thought of it six months ago. Okay. I, I, I was not. I was, Why did you postpone it? Why didn't I postpone it? Yeah. No, but the moment there's a good idea, I'm impatient, right? So yeah. the moment the idea came, I discussed yeah. with I think you and a couple of more yeah. people. People said this is nice, let's do it. And yeah. the 
cost of doing it was very low. Yeah. So I just went ahead and did it. Yeah. But Actually, you've not yeah. thought about it. Yeah, so the timing of it is luck. Correct. So this is the third yeah. type of luck. That when you see an opportunity, an opportunity knocks very softly on your door sometimes. You heard it. And you didn't start this five years ago. And you've been doing performance marketing, new age marketing, built a brand digitally against all odds, against a Goliath of a competitor over a five-year period. But you never did this even though you had the skill. Because there is something that told you or that this is the time. This is the time to start it. Something inside. That's why I said, don't give me the corporate stuff. Because something told you this is the time. Wow. I need to do it now. It's called timing luck. And Such timing a... luck doesn't come, you know, a lot of people say Uska timing bahut sahi tha. Timing luck doesn't come by timing luck. It comes by knowing that I need to do this now. And if I don't do this now, I'll miss the... So the whole of India, as I say, is in a timing luck <laughs> yeah. right now that this is the window. The yeah. next 10 years belongs to our country. Wow. And and how do we get there? So so this is the third type of luck. I love what you said that sometimes opportunity knocks, but it knocks softly. Yeah. And you have to hear it. That is such a powerful yeah. thing. Yeah. And people mistake this for luck. They say the timing was right. So now maybe it will, maybe it will not. There is some other founder who runs some other D2C company in some other space who has a fair enough LinkedIn. I don't know who this profile of this person is, and starts something else like this. They missed the window. Yeah. You took the window. Yeah. So you're lucky or you're first or you know whatever you where you think of it. So that is incredible luck. And that's also again when you when you evaluate and see that you started this, you had a way of starting it. You know, a big corporate like Colgate came and invested in you. Yeah. And you were on a certain role. Uh and I won't say what nailed it, but I'll tell you at some point of time. Huh. But there was this element of being in the right time and the right, right space. Place. The company was in the right mode where you wanted to expand from just being a male grooming yeah. brand to more to having a services business. So that that was a timing luck that was there, yeah. right? My luck in that was I had seen enough cases like this to to be able to spot that this company can do this. Yeah, it was luck, but it was a created luck. Now the final type of luck which is really coming your way, which almost no one has. You're the only one who does this. How many applications did you get after you had the first episode? Almost four digits. Almost four digits. Now, some people call it luck. The person had this, they put up the first episode and got four digits. But the reason it's this fourth luck happens, and this is very difficult to maybe put a name to it or whatever it is, is that you're the only person who does this. There's no one else who does this. Yeah. And that's why you have four digits of applications, probably more than anything else. Like, if, if you were to set up a VC, if you were not to do this in a public forum, you know, putting it up on YouTube, and you set up a VC silently and say, hey boss, I'm setting up a VC, you're not getting four digits of deal flow. Oh, for sure. For coming, years. Coming in in a week. For sure. Right? For sure. So, can you see how all these things added up? The yeah. four, you know, like, you had a zip code, you got educated, yeah. you went to a firm, you learned a lot of skills, you built a network, you came here, you got people to invest in in you, a whole set of people. Then, then you went to the next one, uh, where you were able to hustle and build yourself to a certain place, which gave you the freedom to be able to do this because of the wonderful team you've built around yourself. 
it's luck but it's not luck and then timing and and then you came to the timing luck because something inside you or you plus your team because of the intelligence the accumulative accumulated learning and wisdom that you've built no data can tell you this that this is the time we start this youtube thing yeah you started it and then now you're the only person doing it and maybe someone will come maybe you'll have competition you know that's life but the but, world is ready but you've got the four the world is ready so everyone comes to you right uh, or comes to the show and that's the fourth type of luck now this is something which is difficult to figure out yeah but you can make your own luck and i think you know that's i never thought this was possible man you know even as like 5 years ago or 6 years ago really i never thought this was possible i was like it's luck luck can be good and luck can be bad there yeah. only two types luck of luck luck is not in our hands luck is not in my hand or you know luck is not there and then over time you learn that you can actually hack luck. your way through luck and you can game your way through luck if you are very clear what you want to do or where you want to get or if you have expertise in a certain field and only you have a skill stack which no one else has and then you land up in this unique position where luck seeks you out and yes. where deals seek you out or if you think of you saying like some of the best investors let's say let's take a reed hoffman everyone will come to him yeah he has a track record right so there is no other investor like him and people would kill to have him on the cap table they would just give the shares for free so that they can say it but he's built that over years so so it's the it's the same thing so then you come to other intangible skills does the person have hustle now because that's a form of luck it <clears throat> leads to luck yeah does the person have so much knowledge in a field more than you that's why you hire people better than you now that when opportunity knocks you won't hear it but they will wow but they will usually need funding so they, that's why you always tell them that yeah. there is no good idea which doesn't get funded yeah and then obviously the last one because if they're expert and then they become number one in their fields then people will come to them so and world is ready yeah so so it's evolving uh, you, it's very From difficult himmat to yeah. himmat and uh, yeah. okay framework to this but i also this think is very very yeah. very but i also think all these frameworks build on each other over time sometimes you can go back and look you know because at the end of the day we are human beings we are not predictable creatures we are contextual creatures and there has to be a context around us for us to perform or not perform uh, and there are many many factors so we are not binary mathematical equations to be solved correct uh, and you learn a little uh. bit more and and you layer it and layer it and make it more sophisticated over time and in some situations this is a great model to have but in some situations you just need to go back good or bad yeah right would i trust the person or would i not trust the person because you know it's as simple as that so you need to learn to play with the frameworks or apply them or use different ones at different times uh, but it is always evolving and you are always learning that's amazing tell me one thing have you seen people who index very high on both competence and luck and by luck it could be manufactured by themselves and sometimes external but hmm. they're amazing at some time in their career and then they are not so amazing at other times where you have had to take the tough call of either letting them go or kind of not working with them anymore in some shape or form do you think this is something that keeps compounding or do you think it's an up and down journey as people progress through professional life uh, if you may it's an up and down journey it is yeah it's an up and down journey uh, no oh. journey is like this in life uh, even if it seems uh, and 
you know what you said it's very wow. unfortunate but you have to do it from time to time and that i think that usually happens because the world is a changing and dynamic place and the scale of your company i think we've talked about this yeah. is a changing and dynamic place there is going to come a day when you're not going to be competent to run this company yeah if it if it goes way beyond everyone's dreams and yeah. hopes and becomes uh, you know really big you will be the wrong person to sit in the seat that you're sitting in today yeah and you have to realize that and you know at a certain point of time i'm going to be the wrong person to be sitting in the seats that i sit on nowadays and i'm very well acutely aware of that yeah yeah you have to be aware of it and you have to make peace with it how do you realize this do you do you count on someone to tell you that hey like for example take my trick take my case and you you've told me this multiple times before that founders are generally great zero to one people right they will have a vision they will hire an initial team they will have extremely high ability to ignore criticism and do things mm. which they believe in strongly so they're great zero to one but few of them can become good one to 10 mm. which is post launch and so mm. on then 10 to 100 which is growth mm. and 100 to 1000 which is hyper scale mm. few founder like zuckerberg mm. for example or mr narayan murthy for example mm. can go from 0 to 1000 yeah most founders kind of realize at some point that they are not the best to be at the helm yeah. they may be the best to do certain things in the company for example right. in my case i might actually be the best to be the creative head of bombay shining company running barber shop mm. and 10 other ideas and helping uh, you know a ceo with with mm. with support and just the separation of ownership and management in my mind and mm. the board's mind might be an interesting thing but how do you know what the triggers are so this is a founder context but also yeah. you are a, you know you run a multi billion dollar business so in your context what is it like and so on yeah I think the same founder can't scale through even if you talk about the people that you talked about but you can change yourself to be the person who needs to run that scale of operation or oh, is it but you have to change yourself because every time your institution or company or organization scales up you need to scale yourself and change yourself every time and the next version of you always has to be a better version of you if you want to run a bigger better business and that's why continuous learning continuously questioning yourself having a curiosity these are very important skills to keep adopting and even after that there's a probability that you may not you may not scale the way the company scales or the way way it needs to go but do you lose for example when you go from 1 to 10 or 10 to 100 hmm. do you lose what made you 0 to 10 in the belief of running like a Slight, you know a moderately sized business do you lose what actually made you special as a founder or as a founding member hmm. and then that's a far bigger cost yeah than adapting to a new reality it i depends. don't know yeah you. it depends like sometimes you need to lose it um but you know i mean i can give you two two uh, sayings for this one is that you can't make an omelet if you don't break the egg right so you have to break the egg to make the omelet yeah uh, or a caterpillar turning into a butterfly is not a very pleasant process for the yeah. caterpillar it's a very very painful process uh, but what comes out of it is uh, you know a completely transformed uh, being uh, yeah so so you have to transform yourself sometimes it's painful sometimes you don't want to leave it behind and sometimes you say hey listen i don't want to be that person i don't want to do that yeah and i i, I rather like this and i want to focus on this and i want to go go in this direction or as that scales i think this is the role i can play 
and for all this stuff i need to get someone else because i am not that person or i don't want to be that person and it's a personal choice yeah so if you want to scale you scale or if you don't so i'll, I'll give you a very interesting practice uh, that at the end of every year you should fire yourself before anyone can really yeah you fire you fire yourself at the end of the year and say that the next stage of the company so maybe you're thinking of i'm going to grow at 20% yeah. and you think the next stage it needs a doubling so you deserve to be fired then because you're yeah. not going to you're not going to hit the targets so you try and imagine what is actually needed and if you continue doing what you're doing or if you're incremental on what you're doing then you're the wrong person yeah that forces you to ask what is it that i need to develop or what is the next version of me that i need to develop into to be the best ceo of this business to be the best ceo for this business and therefore what do i need to leave behind am i comfortable leaving that behind am i comfortable giving this away to someone else and do i have it in me to learn that new thing or to change myself or to be a better ceo i need to do this and that's the question that you need to ask yourself so i always say it's better to fire yourself before someone else fires you <laughs> and to figure out what is needed for the next stage because be hard, yeah. if you keep doing what you're doing you will you will just become a slightly incremental version of yourself over time have you seen and you've obviously worked with like a multitude of ceos and founders mm-hmm. have you seen like who's who are the, all the best in terms of just adapting to very growing scales of business growing scales yeah. of responsibility complexity of the business and so on yeah I, i think you can see any of the big tech companies people who scaled from almost nothing and you can take the big four uh you know you can take the case of an apple amazon oh. google google meta uh meta some of them scaled like let's say zuckerberg has scaled uh, himself you know from being in a dorm room to running the company he's still only 36 he's still only 36 That's but crazy. he did get sheryl sandberg because yeah. i think he figured out that you know we need to divide the respons- he remained the ceo but they divided the responsibilities amongst themselves in a certain way and they also incidentally at least i'm this is me applying my framework obviously it may or may not be correct but i i see them as a batman and robin team yeah uh, who's batman there can be anyone you know, that, <laughs> okay. that is the most irrelevant part of it <laughs> that's the most, kind of come trying it's about to like, it's like complementary <laughs> skills right that's yeah. that's 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 the bigger picture uh, if you see the if you see the case of uh, google at some point of time they realized they want an external ceo very, know, early. Uh, very early very early but they realized it yeah. uh, or they plus the vc realized who who knows what happened in the behind the closed doors right uh but they realized it and they let they let go of that role at a certain point of time yeah but at a certain point of time both of them were meeting every person they hired right wow i have a friend who was interviewed by them and i was shocked when the person told me that but uh, he told me they interview everyone they hire every person who's hired like management trainee they were interviewing that is insane yeah By the way, till till uh, my part of the organization reached a certain scale, I was interviewing almost everyone at a certain level and above. Now I don't do it anymore, but I try to I try to emulate that. Uh, then let's go to the next case, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I mean he saw the company to till it became a trillion. Yeah, and uh, actually I, I don't know whether I should say it or not, but a lot of our friends in Amazon say. that we have not lost a ceo now we have two ceos in the in the company really yeah because he's still involved i mean he's still pretty involved he's not uh, completely let go uh, of what's there yeah when you want 15% of yeah. and then you, but but look at the scale but i'm yeah. sure that the person uh, you know who who started driving and figuring out the name of the company while driving 
uh, and selling books as a starting point, he's not the same person yeah. that he was 25, 30, whenever, uh, you know, whenever they started up. Do these things? And then look at Apple, look at the yeah. other case where Steve Jobs came, took the level and then he was the completely wrong CEO and his own CEO oh. threw him out of the company and his board threw him out of the company yeah. and then he went and learnt and then he came back. Yeah. And then he came back as the right CEO for them. So all four companies, four of the biggest companies in the world, they all had different paths, but they're all founder companies. Yeah. And, and you know, some scaled, some didn't scale, some had to leave, some had to come back. So there's no one answer, but you have to change and grow with the company and you have to scale yourself with the company is definitely important. Tell me one thing, um, do you think this pressure of especially in hyperscaling situations like Bezos hmm. or Elon Musk or, you know, so in the India context, if you see some of the unicorns and so on, do you see these guys going through all of this change so quickly, the lifestyles changing very quickly, their importance changing quickly, meeting heads of state, prime ministers, hmm. presidents and so on, that they become almost extremely difficult people to be around from a family standpoint because a lot of them have broken families and mm. all of that so is, is that a, is that a toll that you think this process takes on the average human being or is it just a coincidence as uh, no it can it, it depends how, how you go you know as uh, michael jordan famously says leadership has a price right it has a price you have to be all in you have to be fully on you have to be fully present when you're there uh, so it has a price to pay. If you are excelling in something and spending a lot of time on something, by definition, you're spending less time on other stuff. Yeah. And it's a choice that you make. It doesn't have to be and you don't have to end up with yeah. broken. And at some point you may say, that's a priority and this is not a priority. Like a lot of people throw it in and say, now I've decided, you know, that's the priority. As, as uh, again, as Confucius says, that uh, you have only two lives. Right? You've heard this? No. You have only two lives. The second one starts the moment you realize you have only one. Wow. wow. So there's a point of time where you realize that you actually only have one life to live. And you decide how am I going to live it and what's my priority. In the, you know, there is only, there are two things sure I think has been discussed in the earlier one, death and taxes. Yeah. So we are all, both are hardware and software yeah. is designed to to terminate yes. at some point of time. Yes. I think we have solved a lot of the software problems through medicine. We have not solved the hardware problem because we've hit a wall on the hardware. Yeah. The hardware decays and dies. dies at some point of time. But if you realize that that's there, then you think about it in a different way. Amazing. It takes us to a more philosophical bent of the conversation, right? I think, think about it. I wanted to ask you this and I always ask people who mm. have expatriate lives you know, mm. in a way like kind of all over the world, South Korea, China, India, mm. London now and so on, mm. right? Tell me about family for you and mm. I know you're close to your parents, I know that you know you're rooted mm. in a way in India and you're at an age where uh, you know your kids are growing older but so are your parents so mm. you know you look up as much as you look down, in fact, maybe more now mm. as you grow older. Um, but tell me about Arjun, the the uh, the family guy, and what 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 home means for you. Mm. 
there are two homes, okay. right? Uh, one home is the home that you live in when you are abroad uh, with your nuclear family. <clears throat> and the other home certainly is when you come back and stay with your parents. Where you grew up. Where, you may or may not have grown up because your parents may have moved to a different house but sometimes. In, but you grew family. up from a vibe point of view, from an atmosphere point of view. Certainly from a food point of view yeah. because, <laughs> you know, you always want to go back and uh, have your home cooked food. Correct. Um, and I, I think you just need to find a way to make both work yeah. and mix both uh, as much as you can. So, uh, and over time, if you, if you are out there wrong enough, everyone develops their own system. Uh, I'll give you my lottery ticket number, but it certainly will not work for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you know, there are some, some very, very basic things like, and it has to be tactical, but it adds up to, you know, some kind of a big strategy, uh, you know, which is, you know, try to be there for the right times or the right moments. So, for example, very rarely, maybe once a year, and I have a lot of travel. If you have a traveling job, even if you're an expat, you are back home for the weekend. Yeah. You don't miss a holiday, whatever happens. Maybe you'll ask me this question later on. I was speaking to Meghna. So she said, you have to tell Shantanu how you plan holidays at some point of time. Uh, but you don't miss the holidays and you make sure that's there. So one of the things that, let's say, in keeping the, you know, being together, we all love travel. All, all three of us love travel. We, we love going to see new places, new countries, exploring. We may have different things we like in the travel, but we all love it. So... We try and make sure that every chance we get to travel, we travel. So if there's a long weekend, we travel uh, to a new place or a new country. Or if it was like during the COVID times, you know, do a road trip, drive out somewhere, stay in an Airbnb. Uh, and that actually, like I'm planning my 2023 calendar. I've already planned. Uh, the first thing that gets blocked in the calendar are the holidays. Wow. And then they are sacred. No one can touch it. And then certain number of months at a time, you plan out and say, this is, these are the countries. So we would sit together and make a list of these are all the countries we all want to visit. Then we'll all say, this is the top one for me next year. And then we will plan a trip there or, you know, this is the city I want to go to. I want to figure out something. Uh, and I think that's one great way of bonding. It won't be a surprise that with my son, we have a very common interest of technology. So that's something. How that old is he now? He's 12. He just okay. turned 12. Uh, so, so we would bond on, on, on that. Uh, spending time obviously with the parents is important. So again, one of the systems we've developed over the year or I think it's organically is that whichever country we are living in, my parents will come and spend at least a couple of months with us, usually in the summer because it's England and it's you know, no one warmer. wants to come in the winter. <laughs> uh, and Anjali's parents will also do the same. At different times. At different times. Wow. So you have four. Yeah. We've also done everyone together, but that is tough. I won't recommend <laughs> it because you just don't have the space. Yeah. Uh, but we would have that. So in a way, if you see it, see it like four months of the year, we're yes. with our parents. Wow. Uh, then we come for the holidays to India at least once or twice a year. So half of the year, you have five. Five months. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I think if you, you should read this uh, Blog Wait But Why, I don't know if you read Which one? it. Wait, Wait But, but why. why, yeah. Yeah, so Wait But Why has one of the most mind-opening things about both as a, as a child to your parents, but also as a parent to your child, is that it maps out how you spend time and what percentage of time you would spend. 
and by the time you are 18 and leave for college you have spent 95% of the time that you would spend with your parents or your child has spent over a lifetime over your lifetime Fuck. and then you just have 5% left so that's crazy so you can change the equation once you know it so it's the awareness so once you're aware of this you do more things you change the equation and 5% it may still be 5% but the point is they're physically present in the house yeah. you're living in the same house for a couple of months a year with your parents and then you know with uh, with anjali's parents then you come back and you stay so i think that gives you and and time is everything in this right uh, so so spending that time is important and how you build it now as a result i am not very good at the one degree of separation i'm very poor at it actually say more cousins how uh, one degree away uh, in my wife's family huh. etc but again as you know my focus is deep relationships yeah. uh, and it should be meaningful uh, and the deepest relationship that you have is with your parents and with your siblings and with your spouse children yeah and of course with your spouse your spouse is your partner and everything so it's like remember we talked about some of the most important things at work is your boss yeah right the two most important things in life again having been in, you know lived in many countries which determine almost 99% of what will happen to you is who is your partner and which city do you choose to live in it will determine everything your quality of life health mental health everything is related to that the tensions or the non tensions or the enjoyment that you have are largely with the city that you choose to live in or you land up in sometimes you land up in and sometimes you choose to live in that city but it drives if you think back to your life it drives almost everything uh that happens the interaction points of these two things are your personal life and that enables you or disables you from doing many other things that's so true so being mindful of of that i mean the single most important thing that you choose in your life is your partner yeah right or or you are chosen by your partner is probably more like <laughs> it uh in in uh, in our cases but so again it's a mix of many 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 yeah. little different things that go along but it's how you build it and yeah. what do you optimize for yeah in all of this so taking yourself away from this boss thing and your partner thing and your uh, this come back to yourself what do you want to optimize yourself for this you know i i picked up from um, from Nawal Ravi Khan from his book yeah. but this is really really stuck with me uh is you're optimizing for a calm mind inside a healthy body inside a home full of love and then everything else is a bonus if you can fix these three things or if you can at least no one gets everything all of the time but and a lot of the best things in life or the best problems to solve always come in threes always come in threes so this is one of the you know three three if you can get if you have a calm mind inside a healthy body inside a home full of love what else your do home. you need your home your home what what is yeah wealth and all that but you can only get wealth and money and all these things if you have these things right because if one of these things go wrong that's gone out of the window like if you're mentally disturbed you won't be able to do anything yeah. if you have broken relationships uh, uh, you you hinted to some of them you won't be able to do anything if you don't have a fit body at some point of time your body will give way and run out so as long as you keep optimizing for these things 
the other stuff will work it work itself out the world is a big place is it is it a lot of effort for you to do it or you kind of you have to be super conscious about it conscious you have to be super conscious about it right you have to decompress you have to force yourself to switch off for your mind um if you have a meditation <coughs> practice you sh- you you know you go through that over time do you meditate yeah from time to time i'm not super regular at it like how people say like you need to do it every morning for certain no but sometimes i say reading is meditation for me yeah uh music is meditation mindfulness, i love music yeah. yeah mindfulness you're just focused on 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 the one thing and uh but it's about switching off it's a simple thing like switching off between meetings or taking 5 yeah. 5 minutes that itself is walking can be meditation <coughs> without anything so walking the dog is meditation for me uh because you have to be incredible you know the most present the most present uh person in our house is is our dog is always present yeah right there's no past or or there's no past or future for the dog yeah. it's yeah. now everything is here now. and now and amazing if you're, right if you're with the dog and if you're walking with the dog you have to be here and now yeah. because you <laughs> know the, the dog will run away here the guy <laughs> will run away there you know you have to keep a really eye. so so you can you know you get there and and then you have to build fitness and so after holidays the next thing which is put in is and there you have to find a way to keep yourself honest people have different ways some people go to the gym my way of keeping myself honest is to have a person uh, a personal trainer who will do it and make sure that you do it on a regular basis uh-huh. and that is after the holidays the next appointment that goes into the calendar <laughs> is the fitness is the fitness and the personal trainer yeah and that no one no one can take that slot um uh, and then for the last one uh when it comes to home what's the spelling of love L O V T I M E it's not L O V so T I M E is the spelling of love at home you have to give time there is no substitute and i don't think i'm really good at it i need to improve uh we all need to because we are like super involved in what we do but that is super important this is the starting point you can't have L O V E if you don't have T I M E and you have to first optimize for time and get to love incredible incredible as we i think wrap up for today um arjun this has been a uh deeply riveting uh, conversation i know we 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 get along and we always have great conversations but today has been extra special because i think we went quite deep on a certain set of topics but before we end some words of reflection advice for people who are people who are listening to us are possibly people who love the startup ecosystem we vicariously are living the founder dream by watching other founders and so on but maybe one day want to become founders hmm. are actually founders themselves and are looking for validation in some shape or form or are people working at startups in some shape or form right so that's the <coughs> audience hmm. any um any words of uh, advice reflection probing thoughtfulness to them before we wrap up for today you can go out and say don't be afraid of failing or what are you afraid of and you must do a fear setting exercise like what's the worst that can happen to me if yeah. i do this uh and a lot of times when you do that fear setting exercise you get up, you, you know first of all you figure out that your fear is unfounded or it's something that happened to your childhood which is connected to why you have that fear yeah. usually you, you if you if you introspect deep enough you will find that yeah. 
uh, and a lot of times it's they, you have no re- reason to fear. But I I think the second thing in instead of telling people to you know foolhardily chase your dreams, do what you love, of course you must do all that. But I think no one or very few people tell you that backstop yourself. How do you protect yourself from failure? Or how do you give yourself a certain amount of time? How do you not make it a bet which will make you bust and bankrupt and completely destroy you? And as long as you don't do that and you protect yourself against that, you can fall down and start again. You can fall down and start many times again. Yeah. and and actually whether it's a startup founder whether it's a person working in a medium sized company whether it's a person working in a big company whether it's a person not working in a company and trying to do something else which may not have a wealth or money motive behind it or doing the right thing or you know picking a cause and and fighting for it i think balance is important two things i would say actually balance is important and things work in cycles yeah uh and sometimes the time is right and sometimes your timing is not right yeah but realize that things work in cycles so if something is really bad it will get better it will get better at some point of time and balance yourself make sure that you don't have a destroy yourself risk to it and then you know you can fail Yeah. and by the way people who are investing in your company are very well aware in the beginning that they have a 93% hopefully <laughs> chance of failure yeah uh so so they are also going in with with their eyes open and we all love second time founders and third time founders <laughs> and a lot of times they have failed first two yeah. times yeah and uh, you know that's perfectly fine that's perfectly fine yeah so you know no matter how difficult it is uh you know it will get better and there is a very famous saying in brazil uh and you know, love the brazilians for some of the stuff they come up with it's just amazing uh and i've learned this from a lot of brazilian people that i've worked with is that it's very simple in the end everything will be okay if it's not okay it's not the end So wow. that would be the last thing that I would like to leave everyone with. Thank you Arjun this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the Barbershop. No thank you so much for having me. Amazing.